Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Heat Assist Podcast. My name is Steven. I'll be your host for tonight's episode. And today I'm joined by... Hey, guys, this is David. I am pumped up about the Miami Martins Game 1 victory in the playoffs. Oh, oh wait, are we talking about the Miami Heat instead? Oh, yikes. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have gone a lot better for tonight's episode. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. As most of you guys might have heard by now, the Heat got pretty much obliterated by the Los Angeles Lakers, where pretty much everything that could have gone wrong for the Heat happened, including some pretty bad injuries, which I'm going to let David tell us about. Yeah, so I think the most grim one or the most urgent one is Goran Dragic potentially being out for the series, suffering a, a left-torn plant, plantar fasciitis or uh, and it's, he's officially listed as doubtful for game two, but like that type of injury, he's mostly done for the playoffs. And that's a big loss for the Miami Heat because you could argue Goran Dragic was their most consistent, best offensive player. And it's definitely going to hurt the Heat chances. And I wish that was the only injury news, but then we also have Bam Adebayo who also suffer. An injury, and I believe it was in the third, third quarter where he, where he ran into Dwight Howard, and it looks like he has hurt his shoulder. But the news I'm seeing now is he has a left neck strain, and it's listed as doubtful for game two. We've been consistently saying throughout the podcast how crucial Bama Bio is to the Heat success, so him not being available in game two. After a blowout loss, it's definitely a big, a big loss for the Heat. Um, and then one more injury news is Jimmy Butler, who tweaked his ankle in Game One. I'm not seeing any news about him being doubtful or not not being able to play in Game Two. So far, it seems like he will play in Game Two. How effective he'll be, we'll see especially since it seemed like he tweaked his angle again in, in the later half of the f- first game. What that means is we'll see, we'll definitely see more of Kendrick Nunn, who, but the, I think the bigger question is who's going to start in front of Goran Dragic. But other than that, that's, and hopefully that's all the injury news we have. <laughs> so I just wanted to give an example of what a plantar tear on your foot amounts to. Uh, Tim Legler, an ESPN analyst, who, who was also an NBA player for a few years in the 90s, he said he had the same injury, although we don't know to what extent the tear is on Goran Dragic's. Tim Legler did say that when he did suffer that injury, he was out for three weeks. And if he were to try to play on that foot, he would not be able to play without pain and definitely would not be able to explode off of it. So... You know, even if he tried to play, it doesn't seem like it would be any effective at all. But yeah, so those are the news for that we have right now for the Miami Heat. Unfortunately, they're not good. It's not looking good for game two. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do right now is talk more about game one. And we're going to start off with Anthony Davis, who had a very dominant night. He had 34 points on 11 out of 21 field goal percentage, 2 out of 4 from the three-point line, 10 out of 10 from the free throw. He had nine rebounds, three of those were offensive, five assists, and three blocks. And one of the things that really stood out to me was just how 
it just seems so very casual for him. He never right. really forced any plays. You you mentioned his offensive output, and you mentioned he had three blocks, but I can't tell you how disruptive he was to the Miami Heat game plan. Like every shot he contested. It seemed like the Heat missed a shot. You know, the Heat were having trouble scoring the paint. And like anytime Anthony Davis is in the vicinity, it, that enough is was enough to alter the Heat shot. I mean, for one example, I think in the first quarter, uh, Goran Dragic was just shooting a, a jump shot in the, on the baseline, and Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis was running towards him, and Goran Dragic airballed the shot. And like that was consistent throughout the game, not just the air ball, but just altering the heat shot and causing them to miss. And I think a big point was the heat actually started out very, very hot. They, I think they got out to a 23 and 10 lead in the first quarter. And a lot of it was just a pick and roll involving Bam and either Goran Dragic or uh, Jimmy Butler and just attacking Dwight Howard's defense. And they were able to get a lot of success out of that. But when they tried to pick and roll against Anthony Davis, completely different story. They couldn't get anything going when David Anthony Davis is involved. Like he was unstoppable on the offensive end, and he was just negating everything the Heat was doing on the on their end. So it, he was doing it not just on offense but defense, like two way player, like Hall of Fame type of game on both sides of the court. Like incredible. Not only was he altering shots, David, but you could also see how he has such an intimidation factor in a game. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed was how anytime Anthony Davis got matched up with Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, I mean, they weren't even looking at the basket. They were just mm-hmm. looking to pass the ball out. And it just seems that we're not attempting or even trying to create any sort of pressure against them, which... To me, I can see the reason why being, like you say, he's such a good defender. But then again, it just makes him very comfortable on a defensive end. And if we're not putting any pressure on him on defensively, he's gonna have, he's gonna be very in rhythm on the offensive end. You know, it's it's tough because he's such a good defender. We can't just attack him and hope that he's not gonna defend well. Well, for to that point, Stephen, I think because we, we talked about it last week, we fought. Who's going to guard Anthony Davis, right? We think we probably thought it was Bam, or maybe, but maybe it won't be because we don't want Bam to get in foul trouble. And we saw that. It was Jay Crowder guarding Anthony Davis, and they'll send help or they'll switch. I'm not sure if that... It, it obviously didn't work. Jay Crowder is, is not enough to guard Anthony Davis. Even when it's send help, Anthony Davis made the smart pass. And it might not... It might be counterproductive, or it might get Bam in foul trouble, but I think that we have to start... Bam on Anthony Davis. Well, the one thing I do want to mention is that I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen with that matchup because I would say a majority of the shots that he made, they were off of an assist where he was Mm -hmm. set up for either a a drive or right under the basket or open mid-range or three-point shot. And he wasn't very aggressive attacking on a one-on-one matchup. And a lot of the times where he was isoed with, let's say, Jay Crowder or someone else we saw solomon hill playing a decent amount of minutes guarding (laughs) anthony davis when he got those one-on-one matchups he actually wasn't very successful i would say 90 percent of the shots he made were because they were an open shot that was assisted from lebron dwight howard found anthony davis multiple times as well and you know so on that department as far as how effective our defenders are against them I can't really say it's because our defenders weren't doing their job because it's just 
he wound up being open for a lot of the times, giving a lot of props to LeBron, who was very mm-hmm. aggressive in setting up the Lakers for op- wide open shots. And and like you mentioned as well, David, anytime that Anthony Davis did get double teamed, he you know he wasn't forcing those shots. He was looking for the open man. Right. And you know you could see through those five assists that he had. But I am curious to see if we're gonna change that defensive strategy against Anthony Davis. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if our entire defensive scheme would change just because, you know, the game was, it went so bad and everyone was, just, everyone in the Lakers was just making their shots. They were making a shot, but I, I argue a lot of shots seem like open shots. Um, the strategy seems to be switching, switch defense. Um, but, well, what I saw was when LeBron or Anthony Davis will get their matchup, especially LeBron. They will send double teaming like right away. And unfortunately, LeBron James is a very good passer. And like they got a lot of good shots just from from the double team, uh, the Lakers, when the Heat double team. And it was usually from LeBron. I don't think the double teaming is working against LeBron James. And I would like I would like to see uh, less less switching and have the strongest defender on LeBron, like a Jimmy Butler, Andre Godala. And and if the Lakers was trying to set a pick uh, for LeBron, like he had to do a better job fighting through the screen and not just automatically give them Tyler Hero on LeBron James, which they which they did way too easily. I agree. And that's something we could transition to. Let's talk about LeBron. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he was just hunting matchups because he realized we were just giving them all the switches that he wanted. Right. And it was to the point where they didn't even need to fight through a screen or anything. As soon <laughs> as the other Lakers player brought in Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson, it was like they just Tyler Hero would just gravitate towards LeBron and be like, Okay, you know, I'm gonna defend you. I don't know why he would wanna do that. But David and I were talking about like, was that even part of the defensive scheme for the Heat? Because I figured Eric Spolcher would not want to do that, but he never went out and, you know, chewed the players out for giving them such an easy matchup. And LeBron took full advantage of those. And to be fair, he took advantage of any player that tried to defend (laughs) him. He had nine assists, and a lot of the times he would just either drive straight down to the basket, kick it out. Uh, He would post up. We saw him just demolishing poor Derek Jones Jr., multiple times uh he would post up on jimmy butler yes. jake crowder mm-hmm. and we just can't stop him he's too big and whenever we did try to double team like david said he would just kick it out to the open guy and credit to the lakers bench or their supporting cast they were just making most of their three pointers it felt like we were throwing different looks at lebron as far as you know we would try to double team team him mm-hmm. a couple of plays uh we would try to take him one-on-one we would give him the easy switch and, I mean, he just took full advantage of every single play that we threw at him. Credit to LeBron, right? I mean, we obviously knew that he was going to get his. I can't see him not being able to do what he's doing for the rest of the, the series. But I guess it's trying to figure out what is the best strategy to minimize some of his strengths. And I would say making making him into a scorer as opposed to a playmaker mm-hmm. would be the way to go, at least in my book. You know, take out the other weapons. I think AD and LeBron are just too good. They're too too much of a physical specimen to try to slow down. But let's make them win the game by themselves and take out all the other guys. Yeah, it just it just felt like LeBron and AD were just having their way 
and it's going to be too hard to slow them down, I think. Yeah, not just having the way, but every other player on the Lakers stepped up. They took, they hit their open shots. You know, we mentioned before the Lakers, I believe we said they were the worst, or Carson said they were the worst shooting three-point team left in the bubble. But they definitely, especially um, in the first half, where I think they were shooting almost 70% from three-point line, like they were just hitting all the open shots that LeBron and Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis was giving them, and oh, like if that's how it's gonna be, then because like the strategy was to double or con- collapse on LeBron or Anthony Davis, but and just have the role players beat us, and they did. Oh, and, it, it, oh man, yeah, it, it's yeah. This game really was depressing. Yeah, everything went right for the Lakers. And, right, exactly. And- and like you said, David, they shot they shot sixty five percent from the three point line in the first half, and mm-hmm. uh, but the Lakers finished the game with forty percent on the three point line, and obviously, you know, they kind of backed off from the from the gas paddle as the game got it got to a thirty two point lead, right? Yeah. So. Well, to add to your point about you know KCP stopping that lead when the Heat were up twenty three ten, it was like it was uh, at like the five minute and thirty second mark. And that's usually when LeBron James sit down. So you you have to heat up 13. LeBron James is off the floor. The Lakers struggle. Their offense collapsed when LeBron James is sitting. And that's when they made the comeback. LeBron James in the bench. Like it's just it's just to add more uh just how unstoppable the seem the Lakers were that night. Yeah, and you know where you look at LeBron sitting down and the Lakers supporting cast stepped up. Right. What I looked at was how our supporting cast was very uh, was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One particular play was when Tyler Hero got the ball and he was starting to take it up, taking up the court, but he was doing his, these long dribbles where he just you know dribbles the ball way ahead of him, and he didn't see that KCP was right behind him on his blind spot and just casually took the ball from him. It was just so careless, and at, from that point on, it just felt like you know, the the second unit could not do anything right, and that's where the Lakers eventually got back into into rhythm without LeBron, and you know, kind of swung the the momentum all the way to a thirty two point lead, and maybe the moment got too big for our younger players. You know, you look at Duncan Robinson, who was pretty much non existent; mm-hmm. he was zero for three from the line. Uh, Tyler Hero shot six for eighteen from the line and seemed like to he was being headhunted by LeBron and obviously can't really fault him too much for not being able to stop him. But you know Derek Jones Jr. as well wasn't playing well. There were a couple of times where he just could not grab the ball, like loose balls, contesting rebounds and things like that, and he just could could not grab the ball for some reason. Um, Kelly Olynyk did not play well either. Just one for five from the line and. Yeah, it just it didn't look good. Um, I think mainly, I would hope that it's just the moment got to them and maybe they'll start playing better in the second game once everything settles down. They're back down to earth and they realize they got a job to do. Uh, but yeah, the supporting cast was just very disappointing. Yeah, I, and to your point about Duncan Robinson, I thought they I thought they played great defense on him. Like the Lakers are really good at closing out, and they were just hounding Duncan Robinson. I think it's a testament where he only attempts Duncan Robinson only attempted three shots in 27 minutes. 
It's just they could they didn't let him get any shot off. They were hounding him, and it even goes to Andre Iguodala. Like there's so many times where the Lakers would close out on him, and you know it, it was the seconds where the shot clock was running out, and so many times Andre Iguodala had to create his own shot uh, within the three point line. Like that's not how the offense should be run. Uh, but it's just a testament to how great the Lakers' perimeter defense was. Yeah, I think a lot of the credit goes to Danny Green. He was mm-hmm. their main, he was Duncan Robinson's primary defender. And um, uh, well, like we mentioned, the Lakers have they're a roster full of great defenders, and we didn't think that he would would be able to get any easy shots. But man, they, it from that point it just seemed that their defense was very very stifling, um, mm-hmm. almost overwhelming. I agree. I mean, and the troubling part was the bench in the Boston series. They they really struggled. They struggled so much that Eric Spolstra went to a seven, only went to seven players to play the game, and you know just shrunk the bench down to Andre Goodall and Tyler Hero, and sometimes Solomon Hill. But like Kelly Olynyk, Derek Jones Jr., Kendrick Nunn, at least Kendrick Nunn stepped up in this game. But Derek Jones Jr., Kelly Olynyk, you know they've been struggling for a long time now. And I know Derrick Jones Jr. He doesn't get a lot of minutes, but we I think in this series we we really need Kelly Olynyk to step up because uh, we we need some big bodies out there. This this small ball lineup I, for the Heat, I'm not I don't think it, it works. Like it, there's it just seems like Anthony Davis just negates any small ball lineup. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm starting to see that as well. I'm curious to see what we're gonna do to counteract that. Mm-hmm. But like you mentioned, uh, Kendrick Dunn did have a good game. Um, he had 18 points, shot 8 for 11, 2 out of 4 from the three-point line. And, I mean, I'm trying to think of any good things that the Heat did. Uh, but it was one of those games where it's re- it was really hard to find any bright spots. Um, obviously, Jimmy Butler, you know, the Miami Heat's leader, he did actually play really well, very effectively on the offensive end. He had 23 points, 8 out of 13 from the field goal. Two out of four from the three-point line, and five of five from the free throw line. Five assists, two steals. So offensively, he he had a pretty good game. He didn't seem very bothered by the Lakers' defense. I think this. I just want to touch back. You mentioned Kendrick Nunn's stats and really being the only bright spot. Like there is no better time for Kendrick Nunn to prove all the haters out there wrong, like to to finicate himself in a way because now he's gonna get. You would think he's gonna get all Goran Dragic minutes. Uh, he might even start. Uh, we'll see about that. But I just want to touch. You know, he did well. A lot of a lot of opponents might argue that Kendrick Nunn did this in garbage time because he he came in. I he came in and he I think we were already down by like thirty points. So you know how much effort with the Lakers giving to him on the defensive end but I thought you can't you, you still can't just you don't just magically score eight out of 11 like he he was very aggressive a lot of the a lot of the shots he take were just driving it into the rim and hitting layups like I think the first point he made was he drove it in and he made a layup against Dwight Howard who tried to block his shot like that was impressive he also had a layup where he drove it in against LeBron James and made it in uh, made that layup, and Anthony Davis was behind him trying to block it. Uh, you could argue how hard were those Lakers guarding those possessions, but it's still very encouraging to see him being very aggressive and hitting those layups. And not only that, but just hitting just just hitting jump shots, uh, hitting mid-range jump shots 
things that he couldn't do before in 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 the bubble. I thought he took he took some bad three point shots, like just pull up threes from a from after coming off a screen. Like that's not really his shot. I like to see less of that from him. But overall, I, I like I, I like his aggressiveness, his aggressiveness, and like if this game at least give him back his confidence, like that's that's hopefully something he could continue heading forward. Like just carrying that aggressiveness, aggressiveness, and just attacking Dwight Howard or going into the teeth against Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Like we, he definitely needs that. Absolutely. I mean, we're gonna we're not gonna have Drogic most likely, and none mm-hmm. is gonna be crucial. And I would expect him to be the starter. Keep mm-hmm. Tyler as the our six man bring none back into the starting spot just because he's been in that position before and getting him his confidence i thought like you mentioned david is so important because we're gonna have to rely on him at this point and to see him just be aggressive taking those shots and not be intimidated <laughs> it was just good to see him be able to move like he was healthy again and i just want to point this out like bam as big and athletic and explosive as he is he looks much smaller than LeBron. <laughs> so if he's playing against Dwight Howard, who was at one point like a guy that looked like he was on steroids, mm-hmm. you know, Bam is much smaller. Like you mentioned, David, we we can't just rely on small ball lineup just because like Bam, Bam is already all banged up from all these previous games, right? Especially since he got hurt in the Boston series. Now he's trying to trying to hold up on his own against this huge lineup that the Lakers bring I mean he's just gonna get broken down if it, if it keeps going like this so I I hope that we at least try Myers Leonard and hopefully he's up for the task I could definitely see Myers Leonard coming in if Bam is out <laughs> like for sure yeah that's why it's you would think he would have some minutes in game one Myers Leonard uh in this garbage minute but, but he still didn't so that's I mean that's a little concerning for me but yeah, I, I just still have a lot of concerns with the Goran Dragic absence. You know, Kendrick Nunn or Tyler Hero, they're they're just not the same. It's just not they can't replicate what Goran Dragic bring. And that's if it's Tyler Hero, he he's not the same ball handler as Goran Dragic. Um Tyler Hero can be that ISO score, he could score in bunches, but he's I don't know, I it's I mean, we saw in this game, he still turn it. He still has some careless turnover, um, just dribbling the ball. He still had issues dribbling the ball, and still have Tyler here still have still have issue with full court press or just like defense that are fully pressed up on him. So that brings me concern. And Kendrick Nunn, he's not really a ball facilitator. He's more of an off ball type player, and he doesn't. He doesn't really initiate the pick and roll like Goran Dragic does. Like Goran Dragic is the best pick and roll player for the for the Miami Heat. Yep. I and mean, we saw some of it with Jimmy Butler and Bam, uh, but that's just a huge, huge part, huge element loss for the Heat. You know, as well as the Lakers played, we could have played much better. I don't think our effort was there. I don't think we played with the same intensity on the defensive end. We didn't. Draw, uh, we didn't die for the loose balls like we usually do or win them. It seems like a lot of the sense of urgency on the defensive end and the loose balls were not there. 
I do think that he can play a lot better. Now, whether that's going to allow us to win, I don't know. Probably not at this point, just because of how dominant the Lakers look. But I would like to see us play to our potential so that at least we have somewhat of a competitive game. Yeah, I think another thing that was missing for Heat was, you know, they. I think in the bubble, they they shot the most free-throw attempts. Like, I think they're number one in free-throw attempts. But unfortunately, in this game, like, the Lakers shot twice as many free-throws as the Heat. Um, it was really only Jimmy Butler and Bam getting to the free-throw line. And not having Goran Dragic, that hurts too. But, like, I think we need – and this this is not really the strong suit. Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn, they don't shoot a lot of free-throws. They don't really draw fouls. Um that's, I don't know if, it, if it's something they could implement. And it's definitely a, lo- a lot tougher against the Los Angeles Lakers. But, um, you know, that's one of the heat strength. And you mentioned earlier, Stephen, about not pressuring Anthony Davis on the defensive end. Like, it, somebody has to do it. And, like, Bam and Jimmy Butler has to be a lot more aggressive in this series. We got to put pressure on Anthony Davis. Otherwise, he's just going to coast be super comfortable on the offensive end and just be in rhythm all the time. I also want to see, you know, this is just kind of speculation, but I do want to see that he do something about Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero being targeted on the defensive end. Like mm-hmm. LeBron is just, it's its too easy. Mm-hmm. We can't let him just, uh, you know, go to a buffet and pick out his, his favorite flavor for a dessert. So something that the Houston Rockets did, they just always switched. But uh-huh. they would switch their mismatches. As soon as, let's say, Duncan Robinson gets uh, mismatched with LeBron, you know, it would be either Jay Crowder or Jimmy Butler or Bam or one of those guys that can slow him down at least. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you're covering. You just go. You switch. Like, it doesn't matter if LeBron is going to charge you or not. That couple of seconds that you needed to switch, you just take it. Uh, but that's something that the Rockets used to do to compensate for their extreme small ball lineup as soon as lebron got the ball and let's say he got uh mismatched with like austin rivers or someone smaller you know they were just they, they didn't care that lebron was like right in front of austin rivers austin Rivers would just leave and one of the pj tucker will go and take a spot i think that's something that we need to kind of consider because mm-hmm. you know like we mentioned He's just having his way too easily. Yeah, I agree. Like we, we can, we need to have our best defenders on LeBron James at all times. And yeah, I think it has to come down to his teammates. Every other Lakers has to beat us, but LeBron James can't beat us. So on that note, do you have anything else you want to add about the um, this particular game, David? As he fans, we still have to be hopeful. I know this is very demoralizing, like a blowout loss and then having, you know, having star players get injured in this game. Like, it seems like nothing's going right for the Miami Heat, but like, you know, it's just only one game. <sighs> Series is just beginning. Just got to have faith in our bench to step up or just having somebody step up. And that's really all we could hope for. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, like better execute. We we we've got to trust in Eric Spolstra. You no, know, he's a good yes. coach. You would think he'll will come up with better answers since game two, even despite our if Bam is not playing. What I'm looking forward is uh, different types of strategies, small changes that are being effective against the Lakers, and then grow upon that. Kind of like the Celtics were eventually able to be more comfortable in our zone defense. You know, we got to start planting seeds as to what may actually work against the, the Lakers. 
And that's what I'm going to be looking for very extensively. You know, I hate to say this. I don't, it's going to be hard to see the Heat winning game two, but I'm just looking for us being able to win certain battles, make, maybe making things more difficult for Anthony Davis or LeBron, or maybe shutting down the supporting cast. You know, I expect Jimmy Butler to be, to play well, like he did in game one. But I don't, you know, to put everything on him, I think it's going to be too hard. So I'm looking for Duncan Robinson to get more involved in the offensive end. Tyler here needs to get his groove back. You know, that swag that he had from that 37-point game, he needs it back. We're going to have to, if we're going to stand a chance to beating the Lakers. Kendrick Nunn needs to go back to his regular season form. You know, everyone's going to have to contribute. And we're going to have to see what scheme is going to put them in the best position to be effective. It's hard to think of how that he can beat the Lakers at this point, but like you said, David, uh, I do have a lot of faith in Spostra, and I do believe we're going to try a lot of different things, and I'm very curious to see what those different things are going to work for us. I agree. Um, my closing thoughts are, I just want to give a shout-out to Jay Crowder. You know, I had a lot of concerns in you know in previous podcasts about his shooting slump that he was in. And, you know, he, he made his open threes. You know, he punished the Lakers for leaving him open. And I think that's crucial, especially when, especially if the Lakers have two bigs in, in, in the starting lineup. I mean, that, that was the key part of the 13-point lead in the first quarter. Just small and, victories. So, yeah, on that note, we're going to close today's episode. Join us again on Monday as we cover both games two and three. Hopefully we have some better news. Uh, But until then, guys, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Take care.